Uh, Ted, before yes. we get started, there's incredibly exciting news in the world of not Tep, but Tep adjacent. So you know when Disney's Marvel did that amazing series called What If? Oh, yeah. Where it was like, what if there was a world where anything could happen? Yeah, cuckoo land. Well, <laughs> Disney has just announced that they might be making a Star Wars What If? No way. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes! Oh my god, can that you imagine? That sounds so good. It's so exciting because the Star Wars world is so rich. There's so much detail, but there are sometimes these great ideas that I know you have them, I have them, where it's like, they're a really good idea, but they do kind of go against canon. Yeah, totally. I mean, like Smooth Chewbacca. Yeah, I think that's a big one. The Hairless Chew. Sorry, and this is if Disney's listening, this is like one of my pitches. Basically, it imagines like if between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, Chewbacca got shaved. Or if we need to meet halfway, sort of like a poodle do. Oh, yeah. I mean, in my vision, he is just completely smooth. I've got one for you. What if C-3PO was less of a Marvin and more of a Gareth? You're talking Alpha C-3PO. Yeah, cool 3PO. He's always playing Sublime. That actually kind of, I have a counterpoint to that, though, which is C-3PO and R2-D2 are this classic pair, and I love them. But what if there was a third droid with them all the time? I love that. And I think the third one, he would just kind of keep them focused. Like, hey, you two, stop fighting. Stop it. C-3PO, you need to regulate. You're getting really wound up. Don't do this, guys. Come on. Hey, R2, stop. Stop. Guys, Guys, don't. Guys, don't. Stop it. He would just kind of keep them focused, you know? Guys, stop. There'd be no need for R2 to run away from Luke. Yeah. Because the third droid, we can call him Reggie, would be able to say, like, we're actually here with an important message from your sister. Leia. Even when Leia's putting the plans in R2-D2 at the start, Reggie would be like, uh, give that to me. I'm sorry, I don't mean to say this, R2, but you're not serious. You don't take this seriously. You're not a serious person. Or in the droid factory on Geonosis. Oh yeah, in episode two. When the two droids sort of fall down and have those shenanigans. Yeah, when they sort of start moving like they've never moved in any of the movies at all, and suddenly they have a completely different range of motion. Indeed. I think when they fall down into the factory, Reggie would be like, no, not doing that. And he'd just leave, go back to Coruscant, get the Jedi and be like, guys, come on. Yeah, I really love that. It would just help cut the plot of the movies down, which would give us more room for action. I agree. I think I, longer action, longer, which, which kind of gets to another one of my what ifs here, which is a third Death Star behind the second one. Mm. So when they blow the second one up at the end of Return of the Jedi, well, spoiler alert, it's not the end of Return of the Jedi because there's another one right behind it. They say, here we go again. Han can say, I've got a bad feeling about this. I think Lando and the Fishman are just like, I guess we're going inside of that Death Star 2. Yep. And you might be asking about the Emperor. I am. I am asking about the Emperor. If he dies, he doesn't. He doesn't die. So let me get this straight. You're saying that when Darth Vader picks up the E and throws him down the S, the shaft. Yeah, the second time. The second time. Yeah, because also I didn't say the first time he throws him down, I think that actually the Emperor, because he's really smart, anticipated that. There's a big cushion at the bottom and he bounces back up. So he goes, and he lands back up and it's just back to shocking. Okay, just so, shocking like so, crazy. And then they throw him down again. The, so, and the, so the second time, this is what I'm wondering about. Yeah. He goes down the shaft. And so it gets smaller and smaller and smaller the shaft and yeah. get, until he's just like a little sock going through a tube. Like a... Loop-de-loops. I think he's flying around in circle. I think we can go past some funny little rooms where like there's a couple droids who are working and they're like... Yeah, yeah. 
funny stuff. I think also funny would be his robes have come up and you can see his underwear. You can see his underwear. Absolutely. Wouldn't that be funny? And then he pops out of a little hole. But by that point, like you said, the tube has gotten smaller and smaller and smaller such that it really has to kind of push him out. Push him out. Kind of... And he flies to the second Death Star. What about you, Ted? I mean, gosh, you've got a million ideas. I mean, I saw your Star Wars OnlyFans. I mean, you came up with a lot of intriguing alternative realities in that. I think not enough Gungans. That's my gripe number one. Well, yeah, right. I mean, this is something you've said to me before, which is like basically take the Naboo Gungan balance and switch it. Yeah. So it's all Gungans. I think Queen Amidala is a Gungan. She's a Gungan. I think Hayden Christensen and a Gungan would be a lot better. I also think, speaking of episode one, that really funny moment when Jar Jar is working on the pod racer. He gets his tongue floppy. No, that's funny too. Oh, when the thing does the fart. When the when the little animal does the fart on him. And he goes, P-U-E, gosh. P-U? That's yeah, yeah, Star yeah. Wars. That's peak Star Wars. Well, my Star Wars What If imagines like, what if that moment just went on? Way longer. Yeah. I mean, this is like, sorry, shout out George Lucas. I don't mean to criticize the master, but why are we wasting that moment? You're sitting on a gold mine. I think Jar Jar should just not drop it. I think it should just be like, did you guys smell that? Did you just smell this afarte? Oh boy. Ooh, you know, boy. And then everyone will be That's like, oh bombad, yeah. Bad. It's, it's bad. Yeah. And he'd be like, I'm not kidding. I think I'm going to throw up. Well, you know where Darth Maul has the binoculars and he's like looking over Tatooine? Looking for Qui-Gon? Yeah. What if he's just up there and then you just hear... And he's popped off. Oh, you know he did. And you just see the, like, dark Sith robes rattle a little. And I think his little droid, the little, like, spy droid, could do a little spin, like... That'd just be a moment of levity that I think we need, because that scene's very scary for me. I think, like, one problem with especially the prequels is that they're a little too scary. They're a little too adult, frankly. I say this as a father. Yeah. And I think, look, I'm sorry, if people think we're being lewd or crude or rude, they can shove it, because prior to that crucial scene in episode one, It was not known whether people and animals in Star Wars do, in fact, flatulate. Pop off. That was an open question. We couldn't tell. I mean, this is pre-forum. 70s and 80s, we're talking about people writing into magazines. I mean, there were whole fan communities devoted to this question. You'd have to call, like, a hotline number and discuss it with other people. And, you know, there was some extended universe stuff. People said, well, Mara Jade does. And it was like, well, that's not technically canon. And so the consensus was, I mean, before episode one, people said, no, probably they They don't. don't don't They don't fart. They don't fart. I think George must have, he must have read all the forums. Well, we know, unlike Kathleen Kennedy, we know he reads everything that we write because he's written back a bunch of times. Yeah. And shout out one for the fans. I mean, he included that in there and basically said, yes, they do do that. And then once you allow for that fact that, in fact, creatures in the Star Wars universe do make flatulence, then it does just open the door to, like, you just imagine everyone doing it. Here's the thing, Tim. We had Star Wars come back years later and sort of retroactively add new scenes. I know that with the power of AI and the power of visual effects, you could have the pop-off cut. We could make a lot of, like, robes rustle and pants bulge for a second. I mean, we could even make the screen shake and accompany that with a sound. Chewbacca's a dad. You're telling me he's not? Oh, he's ripping it. Absolutely he is. There's a lot of dads all through cinema, right, who they just take out the farts. But you know that they were tooting the whole time through. Like John McClane climbing through the air duct in Nakatomi Plaza in Die Hard. 
he was popping off nonstop. His shoes are off. Well, and he he flew that day. His stomach is a mess, no doubt. Totally. Shout out Oppenheimer. I mean, famously, every actor on that set was just farting constantly, and that's why every scene had to be two seconds long. That's why there's music the whole way through it. That's why it's like a long, long trailer, because they're like, we have these really, really good scenes, like actually quite nice scenes that develop really deep characters for all these people. But unfortunately, it's just like a nonstop rip fest, and we can't cut around it because they were miking them from the bottom. And so we just have to lose it. And it's sad, you know, because actually the characters, especially the female characters, were really well developed. No, they were. Yeah. And it's just psilocybin Murphy and Mark Damon were just just honking. Yeah. I mean, Florence P.U. had a really long monologue. And it's just the problem is the whole way through it's just. And Christopher Nolan was the worst of them all. Well, that's how you get that authentic shake on the 70 millimeter IMAX camera. You know, he's, he's got one hand on it, steadying himself as he directs. And his whole body's just like. Oh, oh. oh, I'm seeing another headline here. Uh, Disney cancels Star Wars What If. Well, never mind. Dang it. Should we start the show? Let's start the show. Hey, hey. everybody. Welcome to Tep Talk, your number one source for Tep news information. And you say it this time. No, no, Ted, you can say it. No, hey, I don't oh, know if I can. You know what? I don't even want to say the intro. You go ahead. You say you do the whole thing. Do the whole thing. All right. Gather round, mewling, boneless cretins, and mm-hmm. sludge your way to my voice. Let it echo through your very membrane. For now you have gathered at the hearth of Tep Talk, your one-stop shop for Tep information news and gossip of the deep, spawn of misery. Now let it soak into you and grovel. And I am one of your hosts, Tep Tim. Tep Genius Level 2, host of the Tep Talk podcast, father, of course, unofficial certified Apple refurbish expert, and Santa. Ho, ho, ho. Yeah, and I'm Tep Ted, co-host. I'm sorry about last week. No, no, there's enough apologies to go around right now. Folks, I'm sorry, we're going to get to the show today. Really exciting show. We're going to be talking about the iOS 17.3 release date. But Ted, I want to apologize to you, not not the other way around. Why? What are you going to say? I was a little hard on you last week, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid, and I'm sorry about that. And mm. more than that, I also just think things got a little out of hand. I understand that um, Greg and Marcus might have paid you a little visit. Yeah, they showed up. I'm really sorry, Ted. I'm so sorry that it came to that. But you got to understand, they're pretty PO'd. Yeah, and I got that impression when they spray-painted little elf on my Cybertruck. I did not tell them to do that. I just want to be very, very clear. So for listeners who are just joining us, Greg and Marcus are two really great friends of mine, sort of recent friends, but Band of Brothers, we love each other. They are members of the Forever Christmas community. They're sort of year-round Santas, like me. And um, here's the thing about Marcus and Greg. Marcus and Greg are listeners to the show, and unlike many of our listeners to the show, they actually listen to the show. So they heard the stuff you said last week, like when you said the stuff about what they should do to themselves and... They should themselves and stop ruining your life. Yeah, exactly. The freaks. Disgusting, stinky, uh, losers. Yeah. Yeah. I think they took your statement about how you were going to use a Dyson as a jousting stick and go and hurt them as a threat. That's because it was. Right. So I'm just saying like, shout out Uncle Rodney, you poked the bee's nest. And unfortunately, you did get stung. They stung first. They took first blood. Well, they are Santas. When my dad comes back from his trip, I am going to 
and destroy you. All right. Now, Ted, they are listening to this. So just, you know, keep in mind, like, I again, you got to understand the thing about Marcus and Greg is they're great friends and also they're really scary. Yeah. Well, I found that out when they came into my house with masks on. Well, those were Santa masks, mm-hmm. which probably brought you a moment of cheer, <laughs> I have to assume. How is Kyle? Uh, he, he'll be all right. Just a small concussion. And Ted, I want to be really clear about something. I told them. Do not touch a hair on Kyle's head. I told them that. And they went too far. They went too far. Look, I understand that this is a matter of honor. And I just thought they were going to go and just like, you know, leave candy canes on your doorstep as like a warning. But I explicitly told them not to mess with Kyle. That was way over the line. Way over the line. I will have my revenge, Tim. Ted, can't you see that you can't win against these guys? I don't care. I will go down in a blaze of necromantic glory. The thing you have to understand, Ted, is that they have nothing to lose. Do you understand? They're Santas in January. They have nothing to lose. Well, if they keep burning all my toys from Christmas, I'll have nothing to lose either. And if they take my best friend, then I won't have anything to live for. No, Ted, 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 Ted. This is just the vanguard, the first advance. When they came to my house, they did leave candy canes through the window. They smashed the window with candy canes. Tied to rocks, I assume. Yes. That's kind of their thing, yeah. And then they came in with their masks. Look, I I understand it was probably scary, but they told me they were just going to give you a warning. They smashed all my Christmas presents, Tim. Ted, I'm so sorry. I'm I'm so sorry about that. My daddy gave me those. I know, but from their point of view, Ted, and I'm just trying to do, this is a little perspective corner here. Play this perspective corner sound effect. Okay, I'm playing it. So the perspective you have to keep in mind here is even though your father gave you those gifts, in Marcus and Greg's mind, they gave you those gifts because uh, they're Santa and you're being very naughty by disrespecting them. I mean, Ted, I tried to talk him out of it. I really did try to talk him out of it. Ho, ho, ho. Yeah, well, after taking my presents and bonking Kyle on the head with a really big candy cane. Yeah, that was a shovel, but they painted it red and white. They span around on the spot with eggnog. Yeah, I well, I saw. I mean, they did post it on their TikTok. Naughty dad gets nogged. Yeah, I'm not saying you're naughty at all. I'm just saying from their perspective as Santa that you are naughty. So what they're doing, in following with what would Santa would do to a naughty dad, I, I get that. I get where they're coming from. Well, guess what? Shots fired. No, no, no. First no, no. blood Th- taken, <laughs> and uh, nope. this will not end until there is only one left standing. And that's my blood oath in the Pact of Doom. Look, Ted, I want to be very clear. This ends today. I want to broker a peace. Oh, really? You think that peace can be achieved? I think that peace must be achieved because I think the alternative is death. Look, everyone here has something they want, right? Marcus and Greg want me to make this a Christmas podcast and to talk about Christmas all the time and to use it as a sort of beacon to reach other forever Christmas dads out there and to sort of bring them all together, whereupon something will happen. They're not super clear on that, but they do believe that if we get enough forever Christmas Santa dads together, something exciting will happen. Their term is apocalyptic, but that just means big change. So to that end, I have agreed to Marcus and Greg, I am happy to say on the podcast Calling all Santa dads, if you're a Santa dad who's living the Forever Christmas lifestyle, please come to our town, see the location in the show notes. The time has come. Please, all Santas, please come. So I told him I would deliver that message. And that's it. And that's it. And that's it. Okay. Okay. So I've given them what they want. Now, what do you want? Um, I want to beat the absolute f-ing living shit out of their dumb, stupid Santa faces. Right, okay. Well, you're not beating the naughty list charges with that kind of behavior, Ted. (laughs) How about this? Why don't you 
go and you could whack Marvin with a broom. Yeah, I tried that. It didn't work. Okay. Listen, you want to broker a piece. Okay, sure. I want Marcus and Greg to get what they deserve. Cookies and milk. <laughs> Every Santa's dream. <laughs> Actually, you know what, Tim? I'd actually drop the whole thing. I want you to say two things. I want you to say Santa's not real and Christmas is over. What you want me to do basically, Ted, is deny reality because Santa's not real. Then who's talking right now? Tim, my friend, Tim. I know I'm Tim. I'm not saying I'm the Santa. I'm a Santa. Yeah, all right, sure. You can't say it, so Marcus and Greg have to say it. No, I, okay, I, Santa's not real. Santa's not real. Wow. And it's not Christmas. You heard it here, Marcus and Greg. No, no, look, I just, I said, it's just words. It's just words. And Christmas is over. What power do words have, you know? (laughs) I mean, I'll stamp on the Fumi. It's just a picture. Sure. I I, want to just, can we just, I want to move on with all this because it sounds to me like we have an arrangement, right? Uh, Ted's going to give Marcus and Greg cookies and milk, and in exchange, I'm only going to give that one call to all the Christmas fathers, all the forever Santas to come and join together for some big thing that Marcus and Greg have planned. I don't know what that is, and it's none of my business, and it's going to be fine. Sure. Wait, Ted, where is your dad, by the way? Fishing. Right. For work? Just for fun. Oh. It's on a fishing trip. Really? Interesting. So he... Yeah, he'll come back. Yeah, no, of course. How long has he been gone now? Week. One week. Oh, that's cool. So he told you he was going on a fishing trip. Yeah, he said, just hang out with Kyle. I'll be back. Was it like one of those, hey, I'm leaving soon type things? Or was it one of those, like, wake up in the middle of the night, hear someone rustling, it's your dad, and he's on his way out the door? Kind of early morning, very, very early. You're going to wake up early to catch the good fish. Yeah, right. Okay, so you kind of caught him on his way out the door. Yeah, he said, oh, sorry, I'll be back in a, back in a week. Hang with your brother. I'm, I'm doing fishing. Where is he going fishing? Fish lake. Sure. Fish lake. Hey, Ted! Boys night! Ted, uh, boys night. I can't. Boys night. My house has oh, been nogged. It's covered in eggnog. The windows are broken and Kyle has a concussion and all my toys have been broken. Right. So, Ted, it sounds to me like what you need is a boys night. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe I didn't think of this sooner. So, your dad's out of town. You have a Nintendo. I had a Nintendo, Tim. Can't you hear me? It's covered in nog. With they nog the Nintendo? Yeah, they nogged the Nintendo. And they pour the nog into all the cartridges. No, 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 Marcus. No, 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 no. Marcus, I, I, told, I told them. I told, I'm so sorry. Okay, that's... <laughs> well, look, we don't need a Nintendo. I'll tell you what we do. I'm going to come over, and you, me, Kyle, and uh, is Cindy still there, staying in the Cybertruck? You know, she left after the nogging. She's like, pew, this stinks. Your boys stink. I'm out of here. Right. Kyle, can I just say good riddance? Speaking from experience, it's important, I think, for people like Cindy to see you in that state because it's like, hey, babe, guess what? <laughs> I'm not always Mr. Put-Together Perfect GQ Man of the Year. Sometimes I get my A handed to me by two men dressed as Santa, and then I get covered in nog. And I've said this to Grace, too. I'm just like, Grace... If you can't handle me as Santa, then we're not meant to be together. Like, I might be a tough guy, but at the end of the day, I still sleep on a dog bed in front of the Petco. What did she say to that? Oh, nothing. That was a voicemail. But I imagine it's food for thought. Yeah. And shout out Ben, by the way, at the Petco. (laughs) Ted, (laughs) speaking of people needing to learn their place, Ben, take a hint. Really? Well, you know how I said that he's like a kind of a whiny POS, but he's also been really supportive of my forever Christmas Santa lifestyle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, (sighs) Ted, we know this. Like, just because you like watching Steve Jobs do those keynotes doesn't mean that if you got up there, you could do the job too. I mean, you and I could, but Marvin couldn't. No, Marvin would absolutely cock it up. And it's just... (sighs) 
Ben has been really happy to have me here as Santa just because he's a festive guy too and he doesn't have a family to go home to or maybe even a home, which I loved. Like, yeah, thanks for your support. But then the other day, Ted, oh my gosh, I'm kind of embarrassed to say this on the podcast. What? He, uh, He came out dressed up as Santa himself. What? I know. Another <laughs> I one. Like, Marcus and Greg must be happy. There's another Santa. Well, but not just anyone can be a Santa, Ted, obviously. Well, they can't? No. What? No, obviously not. What are the selection criteria? Oh, I don't know. You have to bring joy to the children everywhere. You have to be Father Christmas. Ted, it's really selective. So what's wrong with Ben doing it? He's a loser. He sucks. I mean, no offense. He's an elf. He's what we call an elf. Right, okay. Here's the thing. In the Forever Christmas community, there are tiers, right? There's Santas at the top. Those are me, Marcus Gregg, other people out there somewhere. I, you know, I understand there are communities sort of scattered around. And then you've got the children, which is what we call everyone else who's not in the community at all. Right. And then you've got these people who are kind of in this middle ground, and we those are the elves. It's like, they really want to be in the community, but they're not a Santa. Like, Ben is pathetic, right? Like, Santa, Santa's not pathetic. Santa's not pathetic. Right, okay. People see me a Santa and their thought is not there's a pathetic man sleeping on a dog bed. Their thought is that Santa. All right. So Ben's decided he wants to be Santa. So what happened? He wouldn't leave. And I was like, Ben, you can't be Santa. That's ridiculous. And then he brought out his own dog bed and he's been sleeping out here now. And I told him, well, if Ben, if you're going to sleep next to me, it looks stupid if you're not wearing something. So I got him an elf outfit. So he's just been sleeping out here next to me as, as, as an, elf. an elf. So Ben, let me get this right. Ben came out dressed as Santa. Yeah. You said, get back inside or Marcus and Greg will see you and probably beat the absolute shit out of you for having the audacity to put on that outfit. Right, exactly. But he wouldn't go away. And you said, okay, well, you can put your dog bed next to me, but you have to be dressed as an elf. Yeah, right, exactly. Otherwise, it would just completely kill the vibe, you know? So can I ask a question? Please. So you know how vampires have a stage pre-vampire called Vampire Thrall? in which they sort of half-infect someone with vampire venom and then they become like an enamored fan of them, but sort of live a half-life doing everything that they want for the vampire. Yeah, obviously. Is that what an elf is to Santa? Oh, good question, Ted. Um, A classic elf, like a real elf, would be more of like a, I mean, there's many names in many different cultures, but a demon, a little gnomey gremlin creature. That would be a traditional elf. Now, an elf in the Santa Forever Christmas community is kind of just like, yeah, I mean, it's just very, it's kind of straightforward, like a helper, kind of a gopher. Someone who just helps Santa out when Santa's busy. Like, for instance, Marcus and Greg, they have a couple elves. I was going to ask. They have Damien. They have Ralph. And they're just two little pathetic dads who kind of do their bidding for them. And fact, Ted, I was going to say, you should really be honored that Marcus and Greg came to your house personally. Oh, and they didn't send Damien and Ralph. That is classic elf work. Well, that's so nice of them to give me that honor. I'm going to give them the honor of my Dyson shoved incredibly okay, far Okay, no, 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 Ted. Now stop. Let's keep the peace. We have a we have a fragile peace right now, but it is crucial because I, Dad, I couldn't live without you. Well, you might have to if these guys have anything to do with it. So yeah, uh, Ben is my elf now, which is quite an honor for him. A little annoying for me. Well, here's another way to understand it. Marvin was our elf. Okay, I'll get it now. Shout out Marvin, by the way. Shout out Marvin and Darby. They've got a show coming up. Do you see that? Cool. How are we going to get into that? Because I know they'll have precautions. They're just so insecure. It's really unfortunate. Uh, I knew when they started. 
started the band. I knew this. I knew this. As no, soon as they started the band, I knew, oh, they're going to have some plan in place to stop Tim and Ted from going to their show. Well, I mean, the first thing they did, this is like slap in the face, is they're doing it at the Elks Lodge. Oh, no. Where it's like, really? we're not allowed there. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> you know? explicitly where we're not allowed. Actually, Ted, gosh, one of the first places we were ever kicked out of, wasn't it? Indeed. Dress code. Well, I thought there was a pool. Someone told me there was a pool in the basement. I mean, I grew up close to the beach, and there's a thing like... How far away from the beach are you allowed to wear your swimsuit? And people really do push it. We pushed it a little. We pushed it a bit. I think that everyone at the funeral was just so uptight. Moment of levity. Come on. Shout out Auntie Maveen. I'm sorry her sister ripped, but... It's awake. It's awake. Wake up, Catch a wave. Cowabunga. It's awake. I'll admit that I did think at first there was a pool, and that's why I was wearing my swimsuit. Yeah. But then I thought we rolled with it really well, just by sort of being like, oh, yeah, no, we're just, it's awake, you know, wake of a boat. We're wake surfing. When I sprayed you with the seltzer line from the bar, everyone thought it was just like we were really losing it. But my whole point was like trying to lean into the gag, you know? Yeah, totally. It would be weirder if we were at Auntie Maveen's sister's funeral in swimsuits and just being normal. Totally. That would be very strange. But the fact that we were there saying Cowabunga and Hang 10 should have tipped everyone off that it was a funny joke. Or just like hired amusement at the wake. Well, and I think, Ted, you know, the other thing that's hard is that was one of the few non-clown funerals I've been to. Mm. And we've talked about this before. I mean, you go to a clown funeral and it's like, there's a lot of goofs and gags involving the coffin. Everyone's tooting too. Shout out Star Wars. You know, the worst part of a clown funeral, in my opinion, is always the spouse who didn't know that her husband was a clown. Right. And then you find out when all the clowns show up. Yeah. It's a little like finding out that your husband's had a second family or something. Well, yeah. Shout out your dad. Do you think that's where he is? He went fishing. Right, sorry. Fish Lake. So, yeah, shout out Marvin and Darby. Very excited to see you at the Elks Lodge. Ted, uh, we should figure out what we're going to wear. Well, I'll probably wear my Santa suit. Zoot for me. Well, you saw Mike's article on spots versus stripes. I did, yeah. So what are you oh. What are you going to do? I mean, it's after January 15th, after January. and so technically you should be doing stripes, but I know your spotty one is the nicer suit. It is slightly nice. I don't know. I, I could wear it, but I'd have to be hoping that no one would notice from the magazine. If there was yeah. any fellow readers there. Uh, there will be. All right, it's stripes then. i got to do stripes. Yeah, I can't, I can't transgress that hard. It's hard just because I think like Mike, when he when he makes a decision, like his, his fashion sense is so acute that like when he makes a call, like that's it. Oh, his sartorial sense is just out of control. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Did you see the cartoon in this month's issue? Yes. If you are in the wingtip shoe community, I would not want to be you right now because not right now. Barry Svensson <laughs> absolutely lit your A on fire in that cartoon. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Who are you voting for in the poll, by the way? Oh, the suspender challenge? God, I think Matthew Bradley. I think his suspender game takes it out. Well, he wears his pants really high. I know, it's a bit of a gimmick, but he does it so well. I mean, but it's he just does so it really consistently well. well done. But David Lisbon, though, the thing about him is he doesn't wear his pants as high, so his suspenders aren't quite as tight. But by keeping them slack, he can do a lot more of that, like, like pull them, you know, he, which, I mean... true. It's true, but the photo is what we're judging on here, not the antics. Gosh, now Ted, now you got me wanting to wear my zoot suit, but I'm really not supposed to... <clears throat> oh no, you have to wear your Santa outfit. How could you not wear your Santa outfit? You'll just be transgressing. Wear my zoot mm. suit. Oh well, I'll just have to wear my zoot suit with the chain <clears throat> and the buckles. You're not going to wear your big, big hat, are you? Yeah was thinking about it, actually. Uh, I was probably going to wear the big hat. You're going to wear your striped zoot suit with the chain and your spats and the big, big hat to the Elks Club for Darby and Marvin's first... 
Probably will. That's okay. Ho, ho, ho. You can just wear your Sandra outfit, I guess. Yeah, ho ho ho. Wouldn't want you to maybe transgress I, and break yeah, the maybe rules the, there. Maybe I may yeah, ho ho ho. Maybe I I'm gonna cut this tab, but maybe I wear my zoot suit just one time only and then I cut this from the podcast and we just don't talk about it. Maybe we just don't talk about it. Ever, 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 ever. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna cut all that. Well, unfortunately, I'll have to wear my Santa outfit and not my custom striped wool zoot suit that I've been dying to try out for exactly this kind of an occasion. But no, I'll just wear my Santa suit. I'll just be in my black and green Santa suit. Great. So I'll see you there. I'll bring fruit in case it's bad. Yeah, it's going to be terrible. And the thing is, like, it's not like Santa, I've said this to Marcus and Greg, they're not going to like me saying this, but like, I did point out we don't really know what Santa wears the rest of the year up in the North Pole. Yeah, it's true. That is ambiguous. It's kind of open to interpretation. I mean, shout out Jay, shout out Jesus, you know, in the wilderness, we don't know what he was doing. There's no reason to assume he wasn't inventing the computer. It probably was. Oh, shout out PB Shooter, by the way, his latest single. You know, I don't know exactly his church's doctrine on pridefulness. But I think his new song, Best Pastor Alive. Yeah, it's... um To the tune of Little Dwayne's Best Rapper Alive. It's great. I also think things aren't going so great in the parking lot, I think, for him. And so he's kind of trying to hold down his fort. Totally. It's a statement of aggression, really, and dominance. Exactly. Because I think, you know, he's he's sort of the court priest for Mike and Nate's parking lot Tesla area. And um, I think that there's just some unrest there. And so he's having to kind of assert himself. Because, well, there's been a schism with Pastor Kieran. Oh, no. Yeah, it's doctrinal. Because P.P. Shooter's whole thing has been, only I know the gospel. You know, you have to come talk to me so I can tell you what it says which I think is important for him because a lot of what he believes it says isn't strictly speaking in the book. And he sort of had set up a whole system in the parking lot too where it's like dads were having to pay for blessings. I'll bless you, but it's going to cost... D-juice. D-juice. you got to bring me a bottle of of D. I mean, I'll hand it to him. That's innovation. That is innovation. And it's cornering the market. The only thing that could go wrong with that system is competition. Exactly. Which you don't want when you've got a monopoly. And I think Pastor Kieran was already on the outs because PP kept promising him a verse... Uh, right. And so I think Kieran had had enough, and I think Kieran was also just saying things like, you just want D-juice. I want to proselytize to the dads. I want to help these dads. Yeah, exactly. He's like, I, I got into being a pastor to help dads. Not to make them pay me with D-juice. And I think where PP's coming from is is admirable. Like, I think he do, he really does believe that he has a direct line to G and the only true interpretation of the B. So sure. I, I don't think he's being disingenuous at all. No, I trust PP that he's acting in good faith, shall we say. Yes, absolutely. And I think it's also admirable that Pastor Kieran is people-focused. He's dad-focused. He does want to give the good news to the dads. Well, I mean, a big thing, too. The sort of real schismatic point was his insistence that there should be a Bible that the dads can read. Yeah. Because PP sort of translated the Bible into those runes. Yeah, right. PP script. And, I mean, and to be honest, there's also the robes. Kieran did not like the robes. No, it's a lot of pomp and circumstance. A lot of kissing of the ring and sucking on Pee-Pee's fingers. So how did Pastor Kieran put his new philosophy or tenets out there into the world? Well, he used Ben's printer in the Petco to print off his thesis. There's just the one, which is just says that little Pee-Pee shooter is full of And then he used the refrigerator magnet and put it on the main Tesla. Oh, whoa. And PP, I mean, PP was out cold for a few days. Normally, PP would be on top of that, but he was in a real detrough. Yep. And so he was out for a few days. And so a lot of the dads had a chance to read that. And in that time, Pastor Kieran passed out his sort of retranslations of the Bible, 
which he was able to make really quickly because rather than translate P.P. Shooter's runes back into English, he just took the original Bible already in English. Is the parking lot okay? It has been chaos because half oh, the dads man. in the parking lot are just all in with Kieran. I mean, they were just like, well, wait a minute. Where's all the stuff P.P. Shooter said about all the fights in right. hell? Where's all the stuff about when Jesus went to hell and he pretended to be an orc? Yeah, that stuff was cool. This just says Jesus came back on the third day. We were told by P.P. Shooter that he came back on the third day and then a couple other times. So for a lot of the dads, they're just like, well, hold on. I've been believing a lie and they're all, I mean, they're all in on Pastor Kieran. Right. And then I suppose some of the other ones are like, if they've already paid PP and tons of D-juice already. And they don't want to hear it. It's sunken cost fallacy right there. And the thing is, a lot of these dads, they don't want to read the Bible because it's boring. Yeah. It's not nicer to have PP Shooter just tell them what happened. And frankly, his version's a lot more interesting. It keeps the parking lot together. That's for sure. Exactly. Gosh, I hate to ask. Am Mike and Nate united on this? Well, that's the crazy part. That there's an absolute schism there too. Oh no. It's all the way to the top. I mean, here's the thing. Mike and Nate have relied on PP Shooter. They sort of support PP's lifestyle. They help buy his robes, and he, in exchange, gives them credibility in the eyes of the people, right? Yeah, totally. But I think Mike is a little more pragmatic. I think Nate is slightly more spiritual. Whoa, so Nate's Team Kieran. Exactly. So Nate, I think, when this all started coming out, I mean, Mike was just like, we need PP Shooter. He's our man. Like, he keeps things calm around here. Nate, though, I think, was like, well, wait a minute, but this is actually making a lot more sense. Come to think of it, all the stuff that PP Shooter said is not in the Bible at all. And a lot of it is just has to do with buying his singles. I mean, that's the only reason Pastor Kieran is still even alive, to be honest. It's because Nate's protecting him. I mean, Pastor Kieran has fled. He's he's in the bushes. I can see him over there, but he fled. Oh, but you can't put an idea like that back. Well, no, know? not once the dads have the chance to read the Bible. I mean, yeah. to be perfectly honest, Kieran did put some of his own stuff in there, too. Okay. So it's, it's, the parking lot is completely divided. I mean, right now there's a fragile truce, but Mike and Nate are not trusting each other at all. Like, they yeah. are at each other's throat. You know what's so hard, Ted, is I'm just sitting here as Santa watching it. And it's just like, I want to be involved, but uh, Santa can't. Well, Santa must stay above. I mean, if he didn't stop World War II, he's not stopping this. Well, that's all the time we have for this week's show. Wow, Ted, we covered a lot of Tep today. Very yeah. exciting. And I want to just reiterate that we do have a fragile piece, but a piece nonetheless. Yes, and I'm so glad that I heard you say the words, Santa is not real. And you also said Christmas is over. Oh, did I say that? You know, I'm probably going to cut a lot of this stuff anyway in editing, so it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I wouldn't worry too much about it. And uh, Ted, by the way, Marcus and Greg do respect you. That's why they came to your house themselves. And it wouldn't be easy, but we could use another Santa. I'm just saying. I would rather eat a bag of hair. Well, you know where to find me. Hunt the North Pole. <laughs> just kidding. Out front of the Petco, sleeping on a dog bed. All right, folks. See you next week. All righty. Bye. Oh, 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 Tim. I, I think my dad's back. He's back. Oh, wow. <laughs> He's coming back. Oh, yes. That's Daddy. exciting. That's great. Oh, no. What? It's not him. Oh, no, Ted, I'm so... It's not him. No. Shoot. Just the mailman. Oh, well, yeah, maybe he's got a letter from your dad. Oh, yeah, maybe he does. Give me one second. Was there a letter, Ted? No. No, there was not just a cease and desist for Kyle. Oh, from the people at Men's Health? Yeah, from the people at Men's Health. You call your magazine Men's Health and you are inviting criticism, I just want to say. When will my daddy come back from Fish Lake? Hey, doesn't he have a Facebook? Oh, yeah, I should look it up. I'm going to pull up his Facebook. 
Oh no, Ted, don't look, don't look. Having fun in Tucson, Arizona. It's fine, Ted, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, see, you're getting the hang of it. It's really more of a ho-ho-ho. Chosen ho.